Okay, we're up to Ice uh, Test Vav. Alright, so let's start learning. Okay, we're up to Ice Test Vav. If a person, if a person through the course of his of his service of Hashem and his learning, if a person has arranged for himself certain plans, certain strategies about how to go ahead with his Yiddishkeit. If a person has arranged, has come up with such strategies, plans, ideas, guidelines, guidelines about how he should conduct himself as a Jew, Mutav, that's good. Ve'imlav, if he hasn't, so the Rebbe says, if he hasn't done this, then ice he, then it's a sign, it's a simon. It's a sign, there are two possibilities. One is that you haven't truly invested yourself. You haven't truly committed your life to growing in Torah and Musa. You go from day to day. You're, you're, you're an Orthodox person, you observe mitzvahs, and you go about every single day, you, know, you might even go to, to Minyan three times a day, and uh, you might even have some learning that you do, and you put on tefillin, and you sing Shalom Aleichem Friday night, you know, you do everything, you do everything. But if you don't have klolim in Avoid and Musa, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have strategy, if you don't give thought to where you're going, this connects to the piece that we finished with last week. If you don't give thought to what you want and what direction you want and how you want to grow in Yiddishkeit, so it's <clears throat> one possibility is that you you're not really you're an observant Jew, but you're not really you're not really immersing yourself completely in your Yiddishkeit. You're not really investing in your Yiddishkeit. You just go about the motions of being a religious Jew. There's another possibility. Oh, or you're an idiot. You're a fool. You're simply a, a person who's so insensitive. An idiot here has nothing to do with IQ. You're just insensitive to any failures or victories in your life. It doesn't. Nothing makes a strong impression upon you. In other words, it might be that uh, that that on this particular day you spoke some horrible lashon hara that was terribly damaging about somebody, and uh, and you know you went to bed just saying turn off the light, good night everybody, you say Krishna and you're fine, ready for another day, even though there was a horrible travesty that took place that day, could be an hour before, <clears throat> a person missed Marv, didn't daven or whatever it was. It doesn't affect him. 
Similarly, the same person might have a very good, might have had a good experience that day in Yiddishkeit. There might have been some victory. Well, there might have been some type of some some uh, desire for something inappropriate that he didn't succumb to. He also doesn't uh, doesn't doesn't think about it. Doesn't make a difference to him really. It's good that he succeeded. And, he, and at the time, he's pleased that it worked out. But uh, doesn't it doesn't create create within him any sense of a responsibility to to um, plan out his life, to plan out, to plot out, and to take account, and to make a cheshben hanefesh, an accounting of the soul, who am I, where am I in this world, what am I doing in this world? So he doesn't, he's not talking about intelligence. There, there was a very interesting book that came out a couple of years ago that has to do with emotional intelligence. Very interesting book, emotional intelligence. You have people who are brilliant people, but who are emotionally emotionally they're, they're, they're stupid so this person could be very very smart and you know he might be somebody that's emotionally in touch also he might be the kind of a person that you know anytime somebody turns his head to the left he says how are you feeling are you okay how does that affect you and so on but when it comes to his Torah and his Avaidah his Yiddishkeit when it comes to his mitzvahs and being a Jew he's he's not there emotion. he's not there spiritually he's spiritually unintelligent because any Jew that truly wants to draw his life into what? Into Torah, into Musa, into being a Bentor, to being a greater Jew. Any Jew who really wants that. Al-Kain, it must be. That what? Might say, Minios V'Ikuvim. I suspect that, it, that originally it was written here, Ayn Kaf, and it was Al-Karcha. But the first person, Al-Karcha means it must be, but he just made it into Al-Kain, the one who made the, uh, who printed over the Sefer. I don't even know, even there it might say Al-Kain, but probably it was, it says what, Ayn, it says Al-Kain? It says Ayn Chof? Oh. So it doesn't, it's not Al-Kain, it's Al-Karcha. It was, that's, that's, that's not correct. It says in the new edition, Al-Kain. But really it must be Al-Karcha, it must be Al-Karcha, he must find it must be al Anybody who's seriously undertaken a life of Torah mitzvahs, it must be that he'll find certain minias, certain <coughs> obstacles, and ikuvim holding him back, things that are obstructing his path. Lochitzonim bilvad. And now we're not talking just about something external that whether he had a late meeting so he couldn't get to shul. Uh, I'm not talking about something like that. Not something which is superficial or external. Like he would like to learn more, but he can't. He's having a problem because of the uh, the amount of time he has to put into work. Panosa is taking a lot out of him, and that's affecting his Yiddishkeit. The Rebbe says it's not just a question of of what of chitzonim bilvad of the external superficial things in life that are holding you back. Of course, this a, a person will make a cheshbon. How could I try to? Uh, cut back on work for an hour so it will, it will give me time to have a Seder and learning. That's not something the Rebbe says that requires great spiritual intelligence. What the Rebbe says, what he's talking about is not just not just how can I make these physical arrangements to get the shulah to learn more. But also, and, and most importantly, the Kirbo Pnima. 
in the inner essence of who he is, and his in his pneumias, inside of himself. Baatlas, laziness. He doesn't just question his schedule. There are a lot of people that say, you know, I got something with my schedule, I have to try to change my schedule, and they think about trying to there's already a better Jew. The person's thinking about his schedule. But it's not just a question of of the schedule. Baatlas, are you lazy? Are you making the most of your time? I, I, I talked to the boys in the yeshiva about this. The Bachem, they have this schedule and this plan and this seder. <clears throat> and I was telling my son, he was, he was, my son was telling me that he was up till, till 12.30 in the Bismarck. I said, you know, that doesn't impress me if you're up till 12.30. And the Chazanish said, the Chazanish said that Hasmada, being a Masmid, being someone who's called a Masmid, which is a very honored title. A Masmid means someone who continuously learns. The Chazanish said that being a Masmid doesn't mean learning doesn't mean learning uh, an hour. It means that every hour has 60 minutes. That's what it means, being a Masmid. So you could have someone that he sits in Bismedrish and he puts his head, looks into the Gemara out of an hour, 20 minutes, otherwise he's stam, he starts to schmooze, or he's looking, he's not even... Or even if he's officially sitting and learning with his Chavrusa, but he's not really there. He's not really, he's not really concentrating and putting all of his effort into that. So this person could be sitting around figuring out a schedule. You know, I want to uh, make another half hour a day to learn, or 45 minutes, and I have this, and I'll do that at night, and I'll, you know, all these, these are all chitzanias. The bottom line is, have you ever thought about whether or not you're lazy? You're lazy. You're just not putting your effort into learning. Or you're not putting your effort into Avodah Hashem. There's, there's a problem, and, and you have to confront a chitzan within yourself, something which is lacking in yourself, and that's not always so simple. Nitios. So you have people that they go their entire lives, their entire lives blaming people. Their entire lives. You see what happened in this week's parsha when things aren't going well for Jews, they blame Moshe Rabbeinu. They have tightness with Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu is so good to them. Moshe Rabbeinu took care of them. Mamish Kasha Rabbeinu took care of the Jewish people and Nisim and the flows. He brought them out of Mitzrayim every single minute of the day. Moshe Rabbeinu is giving and giving and giving. And then they have a tainer. But things aren't going well because by midbar par, by parin already got bid. That problems over there, and many people are dying. The Ramban talks about it in the parasha, the beginning of the parasha, and we'll learn it tomorrow morning, Mitzvah. And then who's to blame? Moshe Rabbeinu. That time is against Moshe Rabbeinu, which is crazy. This man is wholly devoted to you, and now there's a machloikas kairach, and everybody has machloikas with Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron. So how could somebody have a time against Aaron? What did Aaron ever do? Except what? Except give and love and take care of Jews. But this is the nature of a person. Then instead of seeking to understand what's wrong with me, it's much easier, it's much easier to blame everything on other people. And when you're blaming and when you're failing to, when you're failing in this area of Cheshben and Nefesh, you will, you will come up with the most absurd excuses that any intelligent person couldn't possibly imagine. Like blaming my Shurban, it was so totally absurd. But that's the nature of a person. You could have a, you could have parents that are screaming at kids for twenty years until the kid finally manages to escape and get married or something. You could have a parent that's yelling at a kid, and in that parent's mind, in that parent's mind for twenty years, look what kind of a kid I have that he's always making me yell. This kid is making me angry. This kid's making me yell. It person never made a cheshbon and nefesh that. That there's something wrong with me, that that I have a temper that's that's gone out of control, and instead I have something. I have a kid that's damaged. You know, I got they sent me an irregular or something. 
My kid is damaged because my kid's always making me angry. What kind of kid is it? Always making me angry. If you wouldn't act that way, I wouldn't get angry. Well, let's see if he could act that way because he's a kid. Let's see if he could act that way and you still don't get angry. Well, I never thought of that. Because that would require klolim and avoidem musr. Strategies. It means you're thinking. You're thinking. I told you many times, I mentioned here, even when we were learning, we were learning, about my, about that guy in yeshiva, when we were in yeshiva, that he, that you couldn't say a word about, you couldn't say anything that was even shmex from Lashon Hara. Remember I told you? You couldn't say a word that smelled from Lashon Hara, even if you said, how are you doing? Said, maybe, maybe I'm not doing so well, why are you trying to say, you know? You couldn't say anything to that guy. And he walked around all day with a shmir zalosh and kind pictures, you know, he was like into it. And then after the, after uh, Pesach, so he came back, it was a newsman, and we're sitting there at the table. He says, not just like a vak Lashna, he says, plain old-fashioned Lashna Har about somebody. So we all looked up in shock. And he, and he said that uh, that was last man, the Avaida. Now I'm working on my cast. I'm working on anger. This, this, this man. It's a new Avaida. Alright, in Yeshiva, we at least try. We make believe when we're growing up. We have different projects. But he, ne- he never, you know, obviously he never internalized anything of the Chavaz time. It was just, that was, you know, in Yeshiva, you had official, this is my official project. The same way that I'm finishing shots in six months, I'm also going to master, you know, Shmir Saloshan. I'm going to be a Chavetz Chaim in six months. This is all part of the dimyon that we have that we're growing up, but still there's something holy to it. Because why? Because the person, Sof does have some strategy. He does hope for some improvement. But very often, you have to believe Yeshiva is just automatic. We just keep on going. Daven, learn a little bit, do a couple of mitzvahs, get angry, a little Lashon Hara. Shabbos, daven a little bit this, and you go fight it. You know, go fight it. I have to get a lulav. I have to, have to build, build a sukkah. <coughs> a little avayr, a little mitzvah. You know, it's like it goes on and on and on. But there's no cheshman anafish. A person's not a mar the doesn't live that way. Of, of stopping and making and, and, and planning some strategies of how could I change. The cave and a person who is working on himself, this person who's involved in Avaidas Pnim, in the inner struggle, and he's making a Cheshman and Nefesh, and he stops and he's thinking all the time. And he's trying to measure where is he holding in this world. Who am I? Where am I in this world? Like we saw in last week's Torah. He's trying to understand who am I? Do I have a Ratzon to grow? Do I no longer have a will or, or a drive? What's What's going on inside of me? This person certainly senses all the time failures and victories. Every single day. Every day of his life. When, when, there, are, when there are victories in Avodah Hashem, it's exhilarating. And he has a tremendous simcha. When there are failures, he's tzibrachan a little bit. Or maybe very tzibrachan. But he feels, he's aware of these, of these victories and of these failures. He, he's sensitive to them. Certainly, it must be that what's going to emerge out of his Avodah Hashem are klolem, rules, goals. He's going to begin to think, with this strategy I can win. And if I don't follow this strategy, I might lose. Because only a person who feels that he's in the game, that he's part of the, that he's in the Melchom, he's in the war. He will plan out strategies, like any person. Eh? What, you, uh, can you imagine somebody that goes to war, and he's leading his troops to war, and he says, all right, let's try over here. Guy just goes into war like this. He says, let's see what, let's see what it's like over here. <clears throat> what? And, he, and he gets, they get, they get plastered over there. It's terrible. 
So he's, so then the next day that he gets up with a with couple of soldiers that are left, he says, all right, let's go fight this. Let's try the same thing again. You know, you can't, you can't succeed in the army. You can't su- succeed in fighting such a war. A person has to have clothing. He has to think. This didn't work out. I have to try something else. I have to try something else. Like Ramchal says at the beginning of this Sharm, that's mamish all of life. That's what all of life is about. And that's what the whole Messiah's Sharm is about. Strategies, plans, thinking. And it's amazing. We'll just we'll go like this from year to year. So you see things that are happening. You see you see your neighbor's kid never went off in such a way and got involved in such things. And you don't. Need, and even though you love your kid with all your heart, you think that this is something that does not negate to me at all. It's, it has no. It's not shy. It's not possible in my family. And a, a person who thinks begins to make a cheshman. And instead of just getting nervous, oh, what's going to be? What's going to be if my kid goes off the derech? You know, I better I better yell at him some more so he doesn't do that. Instead of making a cheshman and making a plan, we just go on and on like this, figuring that it's, it's not it's something else. It's not me. My it's different. We don't make cheshbonus. Any person who doesn't come up with klolim, with these strategies, who's not naturally <coughs> trying to devise plans, simon who, so the Rebbe repeats here, he says, I repeat, it's a simon either, one, one, the possibility is that he's not in the battle. He might be religious, well I shouldn't say, he might be orthodox, He's observant, but he's bechlal, he's bechlal, not one of Hashem's warriors. He's not in the war. He's not in the battle. He's not fighting. He's just going about doing it like uh, the hergel. Just the hergel, just by habit. But he's not in the war. Therefore, ain't lo, lo of like If you're not in the war, then you have no victories and you have no defeats. There are no victories and no failures. If you're not in the milchama, then there's nothing to talk about. You don't think about it, and therefore, if you had a, if you had a better uh, if you had a better day in learning, if you had a better day in Avodas Hashem, that's not that's also not part of your cheshbon. If you and if you messed up with something, it's not your cheshbon. That's one possibility. Or the second possibility is again, or he's just a person who's an idiot, but he's a spiritually insensitive idiot. That's what he's talking about. He doesn't have anything to do with intelligence, but he's a shoiter. He's just not feeling. He's not sensing. Himself, he doesn't. He's not aware of what's happening within himself. <clears throat> he's, he's just out of touch with himself. Therefore, lo kishlon He doesn't feel. He doesn't sense any failures, and he doesn't. He's not sensitive to any victories. Doesn't have any impact. Doesn't have any bearing upon his life. Tezai. He He just explains a chazal here. If you're the kind of a person that we were just learning about in Ois Tesvav, you're the kind of a person that you're thinking. You have a cheshben. So then the Rebbe says, There's no way for you to distance yourself from your Yetzirah. There's no way to reject your Yetzirah. Bilti imgam tisna'ehu. Unless you despise your Yetzahara. Unless you hate your Yetzahara. The Rebbe says, don't only arouse within yourself 
a Ratzon not to love your Yitzhahara. Or to be a little bit upset with your Yitzhahara. To be disappointed. To have some problems with your Yitzhahara. That's not enough. It's not gonna, it's not gonna, it's not gonna work. Ragam sinna elav. Al sharoid sala abedcha mishne oilamis. You have to despise your Yitzhahara because your Yitzhahara is seeking to, is seeking to take away from you both worlds. This world and the world to come. Not just the world to come, but even this world, because a person, a person who gives into his Yetzirah ultimately has no simchas, no nachas, even in this world. So, if you had a person, can you imagine if there was a person who was constantly trying to destroy your life, to take away from you all that's important? You wouldn't just, you wouldn't just calmly dislike or try to distance yourself from such an individual. You would despise that person. You would hate that person with a sinus anefesh. So here the Rebbe says that one has to train himself. This is part of your cheshben that we're talking about. This is part of, this is one of the most important strategies and things that a, a, a spiritually sensitive Jew has to think about. To train himself that if you have to hate anything in this world, then you should hate the, you should hate that part of yourself that's tearing you away from Hashem, that's bringing you down. You should hate those midas in you. Not to hate yourself, God forbid. <clears throat> that that's not that's not a Jewish concept. Yeah. Is the Yitzhar a gift? The word gift over here, the word gift is uh, might be misunderstood. It certainly is something that God gives you in order that you should become great. But the but the point in the, the this is a gift that Hashem told you that I want you to begin to destroy it immediately. In other words, ultimately, is it a gift? Certainly it's a gift, because without the Yetz Sahara, one's Avodah Hashem becomes meaningless, Ozzy, right? But on the other hand, the whole point of this gift is getting rid of it. That's what's amazing about it. Rav Hutner has a sicha about it in Pachit Yitzchak, that there is this, this paradox that reaches the very depths of one's being a Jew, and that is, more than anything in the world, I don't want to have a Yetz Sahara. But something inside of me tells me that more than, more than anything in the world, I want the meaningfulness of contending with the Yetzirah. So there's a problem. I want to have the, a meaningful life, which means one in which I contend and hate my Yetzirah and fight my Yetzirah. On the other hand, I wish I didn't have this thing inside of me. So this is, this is the paradox and that's the, that you're certainly raising with your question. You're right. There is a paradox. We know that we have to have the Yetzirah. And we know that Hashem has given it to us in order for us to become great. On the other hand, every minute of our lives we're wishing that we didn't have it. And it's a paradox. But it's not enough to wish, as we learned last week. <clears throat> one, has to, one has to fight. One has to struggle with this. The same way when it comes to, when it comes, one could ask about evil in general. Not just the evil within oneself. You could say, you, one could say, that there, are, that there are human beings in this world who are evil, who are destructive. So you could say, listen, God brought those people into the world. So you would say, you know, that this person is a gift. It's God's gift to the world. We would say it's a gift. <clears throat> it's, a, it's a gift that we have to try to destroy. Because the purpose of that gift is that we should seek to eliminate it. It exists for the purpose of being eliminated. The Yetzirah's existence is only here, so it should be eliminated. That's why it exists, that we should struggle against it. Not that we should say, no, I, I really don't have, I really don't have any problems with you since I, I, I appreciate that God gave you to me. 
that obviously would cause the person's downfall. So this is the sinna that one has for the Yetzirah that's seeking to destroy a person. Because God alone, one should have, one should be very angry with the Yetzirah. Why? It's constantly confusing you. It's dulling your senses and intelligence. It's metashtesh, it's dulling. And it's confusing your, your, your mind and your heart. Then it will become easy to defeat the Yetzirah. But if you if the Yetzirah is in good standing in your life, like he's one of your chaveirim, you have, you have sometimes a person, I tell this to the to the boys in yeshiva, says, so look, I'm not saying that you're on a madrega that you could always defeat the Yetzirah, but it doesn't mean that you have to, it doesn't mean it has to be a chavrusi either, you know? So sometimes you have a, I said, you have a bocher. See, he, so he's, he's going to sleep, he lies down in bed. So it's not that he's being attacked by inappropriate thoughts. He lies down and he's, and, he, and he's chasering over the inappropriate things of the day. He says, all right, let's, Let's try to think about that show that I saw. Let me let me chazer over. Let me review some of my more disgusting moments of the past day. That's not. I said, listen, I understand it happens that sometimes a person is trying to dive and all of a sudden he gets a crazy thought. But I said, this isn't like something that that crept into your mind surreptitiously. It got past the troops and it snuck through the barbed wire. You invited the Yetzirah. You said, Hinni Muhrim Zuman. And you're stopping, you think, yeah, you're chasming over that thing that you saw in the magazine, something that you, you saw on the television. This is, you made it, you made a l'shem yichet to have this thought. Don't, don't make it sound like this was something that just infiltrated into your, into your mind. You wanted this, you're inviting it. You're... So this Yetzirah, not only do you not despise the Yetzirah, you invite him to all your simchas. You take the Yetzirah wherever you go. He's mamish chavrusa. That already. The Rebbe says, forget it. And then you're crying, how can I, how can I succumb to the Yetzirah? What do you mean, how can you succumb? What do you, why shouldn't you? He's a good chavr of yours. Everybody listens to a good chavr. What do you mean, you, how can you give in to the Yetzirah? Because let's face it, it's not Ra by you. He's not evil in your eyes. He's not evil. If it would really be evil, the Bahamas would be evil. So then you'd be able to conquer it. It's a, it's a tiny little tire over here, but it's so true and so important. If it would really be evil in your eyes, you, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't be controlling your life. None of us here are controlled by evil people, thank God. Evil people would never have any say over our lives. You meet a Russian, he tells you this, tells you that. You say, well, a Russian, a Russian, have nothing to do with the guy. But inside of ourselves, that's what the Kosky used to say when it says in Perik, Right? It's the, it says you should know how to respond to an apikaris. Who of us have not? We, you, I don't know. I don't meet any apikaris from anywhere. Kuska said he's not talking about somebody on the street. It means the little apikaris will inside of yourself. That's what he says. Damashatoshiv. Know how to respond to the evil inside of you. Because that evil inside of you, your response has to be one of rage and of anger. And if you have anger inside of you, use it in that way. And this is how he explains the famous Chazal, that one should train himself to become enraged, angry with his Yetzirah. He should take his Yetzirah and he should cause it to become, the good inside of him. It should be enraged and angry with the evil inside of him. Not complacent. Not comfortable. 
Roigas Vikas, the Rebbe says. Amish anger. Roigas Vikas. This is a cloud Godel the Rebbe is giving us one of the first one of the first strategies to think of. And one should carry with him his entire life. To become mamish angry with the Yetzirah, not with oneself, God forbid, but with the Yetzirah. But it's amazing how, how angry we become with, with other, other people's Yetzirahs. Then we'll become angry. And with children also. We can't understand. I can't understand. I, can't, I have no hasaga. I once mentioned in Shul that I don't think I'll ever forget. I, I used to always say, I'll never forget, but I'm starting to forget, so I'm getting nervous a little bit. So I'm think, I, I don't think I'll ever forget. I'll hope I won't forget. That years ago, when we lived in Farakaway, I once mentioned this, we lived in Farakaway, so we just spent $140, I remember the money, to put in, we had by the, going to the backyard, a, screen, a door, a big door, and we had a screen. It was Mamish put in, in the, that morning. It was, I remember it was a Friday morning. <clears throat> and I come down around 2 o'clock, I got back from, from teaching, and I see my, my Oshazayilid standing with a scissor, cutting the whole thing up. The whole thing. He's like making pictures in the screen. The whole thing. And you don't understand, because until I make anything, any improvement in the house, it's not just $140. It was like three years of telling my wife I'm going to get it. You know, I'm three years of planning it out. You know, I, all I had to do was measure or something. It was three years of, in the planning. I got to, alright, I got to get a tape measure. I'm going to do it. So finally I did it and I went to the place and I got this screen. I was so proud of myself and I see Osher Zaylik just cutting it up into a million pieces. He was a little kid. He didn't have his hair cut yet, I don't think. So, so I'm, I, you know, I, I, I'm looking at him and I, you know, like in the cartoon you would see like the steam. <laughs> and I thought, I just couldn't believe it. I said, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? I, I couldn't believe my wife. <clears throat> so my wife is. My wife comes over there and she looks and she starts laughing. She sees what he did. And she starts laughing. And I look, then I then she becomes the carbon. I turn away from him. I say, "What are you laughing? What are you laughing about? It's one hundred and forty dollars. What are you laughing about?" What? She says to me, "She says that's not a that's to him. That's not a screen. That's not one hundred and forty dollars. It's like a coloring book." What do you what do you what do you think? What do you, what's he thinking, the child? So you think. Like he had this plot. You now my old man's, my old man's thinking about this screen for the last couple of years. <laughs> look at, look at, look at the idiot. He finally went out and bought it. <laughs> and now, he, and now he had, and now he put it in. It took him, took him two days to get the thing in. And now I'm gonna, now's the moment. <laughs> I've been waiting for it. Like, what do you think he's thinking, the kid? So my wife said, "You're the one with the problem. What are you getting? You're getting sugar, little boy." He's a little boy. What do you think? What are you, what are you making a whole, uh, the whole to-do about it? Are you going to scream and carry on? So for everybody else, you can go crazy. Everybody else, you go crazy. I had this guy, I, I, during, I, was, I was in Borough Park this week. I, I, made, I was making a, a U-turn. Amos, I admit, and I shouldn't have been making a, whatever you call it, a caper. I shouldn't have been making a U-turn. I got myself into a gym. I, got, I had to get around. I saw some kid got all upset with me over there. You know, he starts yelling at me. Because I, I was holding him back, and then, you know, I saw the light was changing to green. Oh, it's good when you make a U-turn if, it, if it's still red, but then it turns green already. So I messed him I messed him up. So he starts to scream and carry on. So I said to him, I said to him listen, you, you never did that to Ems. You never made a lousy U-turn. I said, I'm I, I messed up that light for you. You lost the light. 
you never had such a mice. You never did it. You never made a wrong. You, you see people get crazy. I heard on the radio this morning when I was getting up. There was some guy. You know, they had this thing called road rage. So the, people out of control. So there was this thing. There was some lady that, I don't know, some lady that, that cut in front of this guy. He gets out of the car, starts banging on the car, follows her to the house, sneaks into the garage, goes into her house, and starts screaming and yelling at her. And you know what? He's a state senator from Albany. This guy's name is Black. He was on the radio this morning. So that, you know, it's like, it's like the, every newspaper. Like, he went following a lady home to scream and to yell at her. That, that he, she cut him off in her, on the street or something. To be sugar. So you would look at that and you would say, the guy's a lunatic. But then when we do, we would never do something things. But when you do something crazy and you get angry, you get ang- angry, so on your own Yetzirah, you would never say, what is this, What's the matter with you? When anybody else is Yetzirah, you have a sin that you hate that What can a Yetzirah make you make that U-turn? I hate that Yetzirah. What about your own Yetzirah? That's, that's what it means. This this Yudzayin, Mamish Tezi Kishka. This, this, when I first learned this, you know, because you know how it is. Like the tzaddik, he has all these thoughts, and you or I never think like this. And each one of us wants to like put our arms around the Rebbe and say, Rebbe, Rebbe, you're really so good. What do you what do you have? You know, you're really so good. It shouldn't bother you. It doesn't even bother me. Why is it bothering you? <laughs> why are you getting so Why are you getting so worked up about this? But this is like you break your heart. Because you know this is this is a spiritual journal. This is the Rebbe's talking about about his thoughts. Pachad nafalalai esmo. The Rebbe says, yesterday I was filled with fear. A, a, a dread fell upon me. When he says, b'sholosudis. B'sholosudis, a fear fell upon me. Why? What happened? He says, kishaolu b'machshavti. When I began to think, all of a sudden this thought came into my head. Mahaya b'inchasu sholom higiyah what would happen? What would happen if I would die right now? What would happen if I would mamish die right now? It says in Mishnah that a person should should return to Hashem to do tshuva one day before his death, before his day of dying. Rak and if this means, if the meaning would be just to do tshuva on one's avayiris, shalilasis, shalilakshafra, not to do any more evil, not to think any more evil, ayyadeshim to be able to, to strengthen himself, not to give in to the Yetzar, esher b'chol yom afid that a person can do sincerely every day of his life. The Rebbe says, of course. If the Mishnah just means, when it says, shuv yom echlof the Mishnah means that you should just think to yourself, you know, I don't want to do any more avayiris. And I don't want to think any more terrible things. That you could do, Mamish, every single day. Ulai, Yomus that one could think, you know, maybe tomorrow I'm going to die, so I shouldn't do any more Averis. That's not so hard, he says, to think about. He says, that anybody could do. Anybody could stop once a day and think what happens if I die tomorrow, and to try to make the Cheshvan and Nefesh that we're talking about in Tesvav, and in Tesai, the Rebbe says, but to take that so seriously that every day I go about correcting my life. Not just thinking, oh, you know, I want to do tshuva. But going about, mamish doing it, thinking, tomorrow I'm going to die. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to greet God in my present state. 
not just thinking, you know. All right, all right. From now on, I'm going to be a good boy. Everybody can do that, he says. Every day of your life. It's not so hard. But to go be misogynist something every day of your life, because tomorrow you're going to die. Fixing your entire life that day. Going about beginning, because tomorrow you're going to die. So the Rebbe says, to heal the soul of all of its sicknesses. The Rebbe says about himself, like I know and I want to do. That's not so simple. That's not so easy. And when I when, this, when I begin to think about this, what would happen if this moment I would die, and I have to appear in that world of holiness before Hashem Mamish with all of the stains, all of the filth of my soul? I am gripped by panic and terror. I am gripped by panic and terror. I'm telling you, the Rebbe says, it's not that I'm so frightened of living a short life. It's not that I'm worried so much about dying. Believe me, that's not what scares me, dying. What scares me is, is this vision of appearing before Hashem in my present state. I'm not afraid, the Rebbe says, to die. And we know that from the courageous way that he lived. That the Rebbe couldn't, wasn't afraid at all about dying. That's how he lived. That's not what I'm afraid of, dying, but I'm afraid I'm gripped with, with fear and terror. How can I appear before Hashem? It's not the death that frightens me, but, it is, but appearing before Hashem in my present state with all of these stains and blemishes. So now, look what he says. He finishes and says, when I first saw this, it was a long time ago, I, I started to cry. He said, So, he had all of these thoughts by Shalashudas. So he says, Then why was I crying? And why was I so terrified? Thinking about this. Why was I so terrified at the prospect of appearing before Hashem after 120 or on that day if I would die? before God, with all of those stains and blemishes of my soul. Why aren't I afraid while I'm still alive and breathing? I'm also standing before God. What's wrong with me? What's the matter with my amuna? Why do I have, why I have to wait until I see God's presence in such a clear way? I have to wait until I appear before the Beis Shamal to be terrified, to cry, to beg for mercy? I don't believe that as I'm alive here, healthy and well, I'm not dying. I'm, thank God, healthy and well. How come I don't think about what's wrong with me in God's presence? That God sees me now, Hashem sees me, mamish with every single stain, every single little spot. Hashem sees me this second. What does it mean when I'm, when I'm going to die? Right now He sees me. Right now He's looking at me. How do I know that Hashem hasn't already rejected, kicked me away, and pushed me away, my soul with all of its terrible blemishes, the Rebbe said. How do I know that He isn't disgusted with me right now? What does it mean I have to wait? Right now He's disgusted with me. How do I know? 
Vishlicha, El Achad HaPachas HaChek Mimenu, Chasosom, maybe even now God has thrown my soul to some garbage pile far away from Him. Ain't the Eitzah. So what Eitzah do I have? The Rebbe says. What Eitzah do I have? All I can do is to scream out and cry to the king. Rabbi Shalom, master of the universe. Hashem, I beg of you, pull me out of the schmutz, out of the filth. So that I shouldn't drown, God forbid. Can you imagine? These are the thoughts that the, the Piazetzna had about himself. Shalashulis, he was thinking this. I couldn't believe it. I, can't, I still can't believe it. This is what he was thinking. What, each, what any one of us would do to, to be holding on to, to his socks. And this is what he was thinking. But you see, because he was such a Jew. He's the Jew of Tesvav and Tezai. He lived constantly thinking about how to become a greater Jew. He lived with that thought. And he lived always being enraged with what was wrong inside of him. With the, what was, whatever that was inside of him, what was wrong face. What could possibly have been wrong inside of him? But this is what he was angry with. What are the safer? Where else do you get... This is what we were talking about the first day. Where do you get to look inside the heart of a great man? Whenever we learn Swam, they say, do this, do this, do this, think this, think that, think this. And the Rebbe says, yesterday, Shalashidus, I had this thought. And I was gripped with terror. He's telling you. He's letting you in. Into that place. This is the way Sadiq thinks. Now, if we would have been sitting at the table... We would have just seen the Pizessa with his eyes closed and he was singing Mizmuladov and he's probably crying, right? And then we would be sitting there thinking the Rebbe's been as Deshi, Abitsaini, the Rebbe's out there someplace. And at that moment the Pizessa was gripped with fear and terror like this. And, he did, and he's sharing it with us until Mashiach comes that we should become better Jews. He didn't have to tell us this stuff. Nobody would have known that the Rebbe was thinking this. To me it's like it's an unbelievable unbearing of the self. And what kind of a person he was to tell us these things. And he meant it. He wasn't thinking, you know, some Jews are going to think, boy, was I great. <laughs> he wasn't thinking, B'chlal. But the, the struggles of, of a person to be a tzaddik, to, to, be, to become a tzaddik, and when we see this, you have to mamish be embarrassed to do an event. You have to feel embarrassed that we don't stop and think at all in our lives what's going on. And you see the way that a tzaddik, what a tzaddik is thinking. Right, we have to get ready to put on thousand films. We should be zayichim as Hashem. We should be zayichatake to just to be able to hold on to the edge of this tzaddik's ways. And, and, and if we would, our lives would be very, very different. We should be zayichim as Hashem.